Welcome to today's episode of Barbecue Sauce. Today we'll be covering the sports news. Obviously, a lot has happened. I'll be taking you through my opinion on what has happened. So first, we're going to kick it off with the Buffalo Bills out Oliver DUI. Gun not registered to him. Obviously, this will be big because the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be one of their key pieces on the defensive line this year. I mean, people are calling him the next Kyle Williams of the Buffalo Bills defensive line obviously they lost Kyle Williams a couple years ago but getting off the Ed Oliver topic do you think does this Buffalo Bills team have the number one defense in the NFL obviously there's some good defenses up there Ravens Bears uh Titans I give them the credit I mean there's a lot of good defenses in the NFL 49ers but if this Bills team on the defense can stay healthy. They are going to be the number one defense in the NFL. I can guarantee that. I mean, they have a bunch of key pieces. Tredavious White, probably the best secondary in the NFL. Jordan Poyer with Micah Hyde. And then, obviously, the number one corner is Tredavious White. But they always get the attention. The D-line doesn't. Obviously, leading the D-line is Ed Oliver. But it's not a good... Obviously, not making a very good impact... On this, on his second season, obviously with the DUI and being suspended, will he? I don't. Know, it's too early to tell. But will he turn out like Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt, obviously, a couple seasons ago was one of the best running backs in the NFL, but got in some trouble. Chiefs cut him and signed with the Browns. Still on them, but I mean, if Ed Oliver keeps us up and injuries, I mean, he's gonna come back thinking of this thing. I shouldn't have done this, but, um, but it, I mean, the Spills defense has had a lot of injuries. I mean, Tredavious White was out a couple of games last season, Micah Hyde. I mean, their two leaders on the defense were out for a couple of games, but, uh, can this defense still properly attack opposing offenses like they should? And I can see them doing it if they stay healthy. I mean, Tredavious White was probably, if not the best corner in the NFL. I mean, obviously had a, some big numbers last year. Lots of interceptions and passes defended. But Micah Hyde, Micah Hyde was obviously a big piece for that defense too. Obviously being next to Davius White, both of them co-captains of the team. And uh, the Buffalo Bills can be a dangerous team on on opposing sides of the ball. I mean, their offense is looking good. But, I mean, they struggle in the... They struggle in the playoffs, which is what I wanted to talk about mostly. Is that will the Bills get another playoff win sometime soon? I mean, I can see it happening in a couple of years, but that AFC is loaded with the Ravens, the Chiefs, and Titans could be a dangerous team. I see hope in the Texans still with Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, you, you have to look at some of the opponents that the Bills struggled or lost to with last year. I mean, almost... Lost to the Steelers. Obviously, that was a crucial game that they won. But if the Bills want to be a playoff successful team, they need to be able to beat teams like the Steelers very easily. I mean, and then they took that disappointing loss to the Texans. But the Texans now are weak. And if the Bills still lose to teams like the Steelers, are are they going to be the most hyped team in the NFL? I mean, I don't see it happening, but I mean, this Bills team can be 
if they do not exceed their expectations, obviously the Chicago Bears a couple seasons ago, twelve and four, down to eight and eight. They were overhyped in the previous off season, but the Buffalo Bills, ha- I mean, haven't won a playoff game since nineteen ninety nine. Obviously, had a loaded team there, great coach, but the Bills could possibly be a dangerous team. I just don't see them being the dangerous team in the playoffs yet, and I say yet because. I mean, obviously a lot of pieces are clicking, but they can work on some things. I mean, if Josh Allen wants to be or wants to lead his team possibly to a Super Bowl, he's got to work on his mechanics, obviously not overthrowing the receivers. He's good running out of the pocket and finding a man, but he's also got to work on that as well. I mean, can still overthrow. And uh, if Josh Allen can start improving this year, this Bills team is going to be – very, very dangerous, especially in the playoffs for a couple in a couple of seasons. But I don't see this Bills team just being playoff a playoff ready team yet. I mean, they're very young, some veterans, Micah Hyde, who's always been a Bill. But I don't, I just don't see the Bills being a play. I mean, the Bills are gonna make the playoffs this year, but with how it works now, only the one seed gets the bye. So how are the Bills gonna play with that? I mean, fan favorites for the. First round by the Chiefs and the Ravens, but the the Buffalo Bills have to improve so they can get that number one seed. Because if they do get that number one seed, then they will be then they're gonna start winning playoff games. But I think it's gonna take a couple more years to have the Bills be. They're they're right now a dangerous team, but a Super Bowl ready team that's gonna take them a few years and. I like the coaching on the Bills team. I mean, obviously being led by head coach Sean McDermott. I think Sean McDermott can bring the Bills to big things and is is going to meet people's needs. And I I wouldn't sleep on this Bills team. I mean, so what if they lose a playoff their like playoff game this year? I mean, they're they're just going to want to come more hungry again. And the Bills could be a dangerous team. Now, obviously news today that there's going to be no more onside kicks in the NFL. You just get an extra down. I think it said it's going to be 4th and 15. I disagree with this rule because getting, I mean, it depends how you look at it. Getting an onside kick or recovering an onside kick is obviously more harder than converting a 4th and 15. But, like, I think you're kind of saying that you're placing kickers or if your punter's a kick or does kickoffs, you're like you're putting them to the side. I mean, people obviously make fun of the kickers and punters. I mean, they have a lot of pressure. But I but the way the NFL is today, people are gonna want to see the offense more than they want to see like kickoffs and punts. I mean, but I just don't agree I just don't agree with that because um it was gonna be a big move anyway and if if the kickers and punters, I mean, I'm I was just I, when I first saw this I was shocked. I mean I kind of disagree with this and um you're kind of I'm not saying anything to the NFL officiation but you're kind of calling the kickers not that important. I mean the kickers have a tough job. People just don't notice it. Either they get all the love or get all the hate. But I mean, changing this rule was obviously. A big one, especially if, uh, especially if 
you wanted to see, like, a closer game. But now, like, if a team is down two scores or two touchdowns, boom, you start You start with the 4th and 15. You score a touchdown on that drive. It's obviously going to be more easy to score a touchdown than it will on an onside kick. So then you'll be down one. Probably going to want to kick it up, kick it onside again. Oh, wait, that's not there. Going to have to go 4th and 15. If they convert on that, I mean... This, the no onside kick rule could be big. I mean, maybe the NFL wants to just try it for a year and see how it goes. But I just don't guess. I just disagree with this rule because it's a lot more easier to convert in fourth of fifteen than score than than it is to recover an onside kick than score. But I mean, it's the pros. I mean, they should be. I'm not saying they should be good at it, but what's somewhat good at that, but. I mean, it's the way that the NFL society is today. They want to see more action. Not just, not more kickoffs or punts. They want to see more action, like more offense and more defense. So I can see where the NFL is coming with this, but I mean, they've, the NFL's been in existence for 101 years, and they just changed this rule right away. I mean, they tried it in the Pro Bowl game with uh, the NFC team. And they didn't convert it, but it was it's a Pro Bowl game. So people may look at it from that, that, oh, it's going to be so hard to convert a 4th and 15. But no, it's just a, they were just doing a Pro Bowl game. But back to the point is that uh, it was just more than a Pro Bowl game. I, I, I mean, it's... I just don't. I just disagree with this rule. Anyway, on to our final topic for the NFL today. I'm gonna go on to the Detroit Lions, a team that I've been wanting to talk about for a couple of episodes, but I just finally landed on them today. So the Detroit Lions. I mean, they're one of the bigger questions in the NFL. I mean, they obviously have veteran quarterback Matthew Stafford, who's, in my opinion, the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. But people can say that Stafford is bad, and I could see where they're coming from. I mean, they don't have the best offensive line. I mean, they have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, but those guys tend to be hurt a lot, so they don't have a very good three receiver. Uh, their only, uh, their only decent player on their offensive line is probably their center, but uh, he's getting up there in age, so. Will will Stafford move on from the Lions? Will he move on from the Lions and want to go to a team where they have a winning culture, such as like the Chargers? But I'm just throwing out teams there. Obviously, the Chargers won't take him because taking they just got Herbert. But teams that Matthew Stafford could possibly go to are like teams that have weapons, but just not a very good. Quarterback. I mean, the Bears are one, but they're probably not going to pull that off. It's the Chicago Bears. I mean, Denver Broncos came to mind. I mean, I'm not sure if Drew Locke is ready for the big stage. I mean, if he sits behind a good veteran quarterback for maybe another year, then he'll be good to go. But, I mean, Stafford's still on contract with the line, so the Broncos probably won't happen. I mean, the Raiders came across, too. I mean, if the Raiders can get better skill positions and the upcoming preseason that will come up after this year. That Raiders team, and they get rid of Derek Carr, and Matthew Stafford wants to go to the winning culture. I say go to Vegas. I mean, 
they they have a good coach in John Gruden, good defense with Max Crosby, obviously one of the bigger players, and uh, you also have uh, on that defense. You, I mean, they're the Raiders don't have the best defense, but they also don't have the worst. I mean, they have some good veterans on there, but I'm just throwing it out there. I think the Raiders can be very. Very good if they do bring in a player like Stafford, but back onto topic with Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's always hurt too, so that may affect him if he does want to try free agency in, in a year or two. But I mean, it's Matthew Stafford. I mean, look what he did with the Lions before he got hurt a 3 3 and 1 record. I mean, if Stafford was healthy, Lions could be a wild card team, but that just depends with Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's one of the guys who are always hurt, and I you really don't know with Matthew Stafford. So back to the Lions. This year, I had the Lions going three and thirteen. Yes, I know they should do somewhat better, but uh, if you look at their pieces, I mean their pieces, they're missing a couple pieces to the puzzle. I mean their defense, obviously losing Darius Slay. Uh, Damon Harrison Sr. getting up there on age. I mean, it's just that the Lions are maybe going to have to start a rebuild process anytime soon. So maybe, Lions fans, you may get to the playoffs in another six or seven years. But I just don't see it happening quite soon for the Detroit Lions. So, I mean, I mean, 3-13 and 13 does kind of sound, like sound like a reasonable record. So next we're going on to the... MLB, I want to talk about the New York Mets. Obviously, my favorite MLB team. Obviously, starring pitchers are Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo. But one of the players I want to talk about was Ioannis Cespedes. Obviously, he did great with the Mets in that 2015 World Series season. And he was great with the Tigers. When he played there, the Athletics. But can Cespedes, when he returns, be the same Cespedes he was in 2015? I don't see it happening. I mean, this is just me, but uh, I I think he's getting up there in age where he doesn't or where um, he should be done playing. I mean, the Mets have obviously moved on from him. Brennan Nimmo obviously played well this previous season. Jeff McNeil somewhat played in the outfield. Michael Conforto, big rising star. J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith, they're going to want... J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith, they're going to want to have more playing time for the playing time they get. I mean, so I think the Mets, it's time to move on from Joanna Cespedes. But, I mean, he's 37. I mean... I don't know. Baseball is a different sport. Obviously, seeing Bartolo Colon trying to come back at age 47. But, I mean, uh, Ioannis Cespedes, I think it's time to, for the Mets to move on to him. Maybe if they do need to sign him, sign him to a one-year deal where players like J.D. Davis and Dom Smith can learn from him. But I I can see it's time to move on from Ioannis Cespedes. So then, going on to another... So going on to a different player from a different, for who knows now, I just mentioned him, Bartolo Colon, trying to come back, playing baseball, age 47. I mean, he's nearly halfway way to 100 years old. 
I mean, that's just a funny thought that came across my mind. But I can is any team going to want to try and get Bartolo Colon? I mean, he's 47 years old, played on nine other MLB teams before he had his best season with the New York Mets. I mean, Bartolo Colon is 47. Who's going to want a 47-year-old pitcher? I mean, this is a pretty obvious one for me. I don't think he's going to do well when he comes back, or if he does come back, but that's just my opinion. And uh, he just, I don't know, He does, he's not going to seem like the guy he was a before in his career, obviously, he was had a very successful career before taking a break this previous year. And, uh, I mean, I just don't see uh, Bartolo Colon being able to, or maybe not even getting a job in the MLB. Maybe not going to be a pitcher. Maybe nobody's going to want to sign him. I mean, if I was a GM, I would not want to sign him. So, I thought this was a risky move by Bartolo Colon. And with the 47-year-old body, who who wants to pitch with a 47 what body's going to handle pitching 90, 90 miles an hour? I mean, look at players like Clayton Kershaw. He's he's young in regular life, and uh, he's starting to regress in his pitching. I mean, so I'm not sure about if this Bartolo Cologne move is smart. And then our final team I wanted to talk about was the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, the Pirates, they're not very good, but... They have Josh Bell, Brian, or they have Josh Bell, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, or Brian Reynolds, excuse me. But can Josh Bell be a productive player for the Pirates this year and possibly lead him to the playoffs? I just don't see it happening. I think he just needs more weapons on the defensive side, and they need some more help pitching. I mean, they still have a pretty decent pitcher and Chris Archer. I'm not sure how he's going to perform last year. Had a, quite a drop off season, but um. I just don't see the Pirates making the playoffs anytime soon. I could see them trying to start a rebuild. I think they have lots of cap room. I mean, get rid of some of their veterans veterans that they have and be prepared for the future. But this Pirates team is doing it right. Josh Bell is a big boom for them. Obviously, was probably one of the best first basemen in the NFL this pre or MLB this previous year. So, I mean, I wouldn't have no hope, Pirates fans, but I wouldn't have a lot of hope. I'd be right in the middle of that. Between lots of hope and no hope. But uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they can possibly be a dangerous team. I mean, they have Reynolds who can be very good. He had a very good season this previous year, obviously teaming up with Josh Bell. I mean, who knows with this Pirates team. It's a what-if. It'll be a what-if team in maybe three or four years. But for now, they're in the rebuilding process. And uh, who knows. So then going on to our next topic with the NBA I wanted to focus on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, their main three right now. But I wanted to talk about Darius Garland, their previous draft pick. Can Darius Garland be the same player he was in college in the NBA? Can he translate it over to Cleveland? I mean, I like Darius Garland. I'm a Cavs fan. I like Darius Garland. I like the way he plays. But I'm not sure how it's going to go for him. I mean... Obviously, they Colin Sexton and Darius Garland both want the ball, but Colin Sexton is the more productive player. I mean, Darius Garland—it was only his rookie season. I, I mean, he did pretty good for a rookie. But if Darius Garland can have a 
the same if Darius Garland has the same season that he did this previous year, I mean, always looking for improvement. But if he does have the same, or if he does play the same way that he did, I can see the, or I can see them just starting to downfall, or seeing them being Gar- Garland being not a very good draft pick for them. But I don't know, cause Garland, when I watched him, he seemed he did seem pretty promising. I thought it was a good pick by the Cavaliers, but after I saw him play this season, I'm like. <sighs> I was like holding my breath almost thinking, how's this guy going to be? Is he going to be uh, the next Kyrie Irving? I mean, that's high expectations, but that's what the Cavs expect him to be to fill in the Irving shoes, obviously leaving him or letting Irving go a couple, uh, three or four seasons ago. And then you have Kevin Love. I mean, if I were the Cavaliers, I would go on to trade Kevin Love for a good draft pick. Teams I see Kevin Love wanting to go to are... I mean, the Los Angeles Clippers, maybe that could be a possible trade. But who's going to, who knows now? I mean, the the Cavs just brought in Andre Drummond to play for Tristan Thompson. I mean, I mean, if you trade Love and Thompson somewhere, you can get a very good first-round pick. They're, both, they're still both very good players, obviously entering out of their prime. But I mean, they're still good for. They're still going to be good for a couple seasons, especially for a team who's a championship type team, like the Bucks or Clippers, Lakers. But um, right now, while they're still in the Cavs, will they still be as productive as they were, Thompson and uh, Love? I mean, I don't. I can see Thompson not being very productive, but Love is obviously going to be a good mentor to Kevin Porter Jr., one of their good rookies. I mean, had a very good. Previous season this year, but I mean it's gonna be. I mean the Cavs need time to be a good playoff team like they were, and I mean with the season being postponed, I mean I was looking forward to see since the Cavs have been long out of the playoffs. I was looking forward to see how will Garland and all those veteran players react. I mean I was looking forward to seeing them play more games, but that obviously just didn't happen. So it's going to be an interesting Cavs season next year. I mean, it's going to be a very, very what-if season for the Cavs. So then, now I wanted to focus on the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, Zion Williamson, one of the most explosive rookies this previous season. And uh, can he still be the player that he was? And Duke, I mean, he's obviously shown in the NBA, but how will he do teaming up with ballers like Lonzo Ball, Brennan Ingram? He always had a pretty good season with those two. But Jeru Holiday, how is he going to play with Jeru Holiday? Obviously a pretty big veteran for the New Orleans Pelicans, a very good good defensive player. Uh, Will Williamson be good? Like he was in college. I mean, yes, I can see it happening. I mean, to some people, this is a no-brainer. Yes, but I'm just more focused on how he'll do teaming up. I mean, I don't see Williamson carrying a... I mean, Williamson can carry a team. I mean, he obviously pushed the Pelicans' playoff hopes back into charm and uh, helped the playoff chance uh, start. But, I mean... Were the Pelicans going to make the playoffs? That will be one of the questions we weren't going to know. But if the Pelicans say they squeak in the number 8th seed, I could have seen them possibly going on a little streak. I mean, 
they were going to play the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. But the Lakers have had their number. But with Zion, it's been pretty close. I mean, it would have been interesting to see all those teams play. But if, if it was the Lakers and the Pelicans, I would have seen the game going in possibly game six or seven. So this was, this was going to be an interesting season, but now it's being postponed. But with next year with Williamson, will he be the type of player that he was this previous season? I mean, yes, I can see. I think the Pelicans have very high expectations next year. I mean, I can see him next year going squeaking in the sixth or fifth spot. But, I mean, this Pelicans team could possibly be very dangerous. I mean, I mean, people are comparing them to... Uh, that Cavs team a couple seasons ago gets shooters with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson obviously playing like the next LeBron James. But uh, it's going to be interesting to tell how their their dynasty will they create a dynasty or not. I mean, this is going to be a pretty interesting Pelicans team to watch. So I'd be prepared for a pretty interesting season next year. And then I want our final topic for for uh, the NBA. I wanted to. Go all the way to New York, or go all the way to New York and focus on the New York Knicks. Obviously, the Knicks are the worst team in the NBA. I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, obviously, the laughing stock of the NBA, but can this team get a turnaround? I mean, you've seen them, like, in in the postseason always blow it, but, I mean, they have Frank Nicoletta, promising center. Uh, Julius Randle, still a pretty decent player. Uh, losing Markeith Morris was a very uh, disappointing move. I mean, I thought Mark- Markeith Morris was a good a good person to build around. But, I mean, they do have uh, Julius Randle and Frank Nicoletta. So, I mean, maybe that's why they- Marcus- Markeith Morris wanted to go. I mean... Because I didn't see Markeith Morris being a good future player for them, but uh, he's going to be, Markeith Morris is going to be interesting to watch. But back to the New York Knicks topic. I mean, I'm at the Knicks, in a couple of years, they could possibly be a number eight team, number eight team seed. But with the way I see it with the Knicks is they're going to have the talent in a couple of years for what they have. But it's going to be up to the coaching staff for me. I mean, obviously made a couple uh, – or obviously made lots of moves this previous season. And uh, I thought those were just big too with getting uh, – or signing a bunch of coaches. But uh, I can see him trying to get a bigger – or a better possible coach this year. I mean, I can see Kenny Atkinson – in there, I think he'd be a good person to build around. Brought the Nets to the playoffs, obviously not with the or brought the Nets to the playoffs, not with them anymore. But can Kenny Atkinson, if he does get signed, turn that Knicks team around? I mean, if he does, this is just saying if he does, I think he can. So that's all I have for the NBA today, and f- and so our final one of our final two last topics going on to the NHL. I wanted to talk about the Western Conference Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, it shocked us all in their first season a couple seasons ago. Uh, made it to the playoffs, lost in six games to the Washington Capitals, who had a great season that year. But the Golden Knights, can they still be a good dynasty? I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury leading that squad. I mean, 
Smith is obviously a very good player too, and but I still see them being the team that they were their first year in creation. Yes, people might disagree. Shout out to all my hockey fans out there, but uh, I just don't see them doing quite well. I mean, they're not gonna do very good, I I believe, but maybe this pr- upcoming season, obviously with the extension of another team, I mean, this team could be very good, but uh, it depends how they play. It depends how the Golden Knights are going to play while they have all the key weapons that they need. But they have they play in a tough division. I'll have to share with the Edmonton Oilers. But, I mean, this Vegas Golden Knights team could be dangerous, but I just don't see them being very... I, I think they're going to have a drop-off here this pre, in this next season. So then the final team I wanted to go on for the NHL, I only looked into two teams I wanted to talk about. So the final team I wanted to talk about for our NHL is the it is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning are, were uh, predicted to go to the playoffs a couple seasons ago. But, I mean, bringing in a new head coach, I mean, this Lightning team is going to go to the Stanley Cup in a couple of years. I mean, they have the talent Steven Stamkos, Nicole Kucherov. I mean, this team can be good, but they always choke in the playoffs just like the Minnesota, or just like the New Orleans Saints. But I think Lightning fan haters, that's going to stop. And uh, they're just going to be another dangerous team to look out for. Obviously, are a dangerous team in the Eastern Conference. But, uh, can, I mean, this team is very hard to judge. I mean, people. I predicted them in the Stanley Cup last year, but um, can they possibly still be a Stanley Cup caliber team? I say yes because uh, I mean they don't really have to share a strong division. They really don't have a strong div- division besides the Bruins and Maple Leafs. But um, the Lightning, I can see them if the NHL season does resume and it. Seems like it probably won't, but next year when the playoffs happen, the Lightning, I can guarantee you, are going to get the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. That's just my opinion, because they're a very good team, in my opinion, led by a great head coach, and this team could be pretty good. So our final topic for today, I wanted to focus on NCAA's college basketball. Yes, I know this is my first time talking about NCAA anything, but I wanted to focus on just a couple of teams. First, I wanted to talk about the Duke Blue Devils. I mean, led by probably the best coach ever in NCAA history, Mike. Er, but obviously led by one of the best coaches in NBA history, Coach K. I mean, he's very—he's a very cal- good caliber type coach. And if... But I'm not sure if this Duke Blue Devil squad is going to be good like they were with Zion and RJ. Can they still be a good team? Uh, yes, but they have a coach like that. I mean, he turns anything into good, but he's got to get some decent players. I mean, obviously, he's going to lose Vernon Carey to the draft, Trey, Do- or Trey Jones to the draft as well, but... I'm not. I don't still see the. I don't. I don't see the Duke team being a much winning team in the next couple of seasons. I mean, you can say that they're going to be. I mean, people are probably going to disagree with me on this, but look. Obviously, I think that Zion team or this team this previous year was their final dance as a good squad for a long time. Maybe after Coach K retires, but 
I mean, you can never tell with Duke. They always, in the season, they're always unranked, and they're back to being ranked, the number one seed, eight seed, blah, blah, blah. But then, I mean, th- I think this year is just going to be, maybe they get the number eight seed, number 10 seed. I'm just not sure about this Duke team. So, I mean, they have to share the ACC with some dangerous teams. Syracuse, I can see being dangerous. Um, Louisville is obviously one of the best teams in the nation. And, I mean, Duke can be a very good team. But I just don't see it going to happen anytime soon because, I mean, all this, all these uh, different players, the best in the nation, I saw one of them, best player in Texas, had a deal for to stay. I mean, Duke's gonna have to compete against like players like that, especially in a tough division with the ACC. What they are, but um, I just I can see the Duke maybe in the ACC going fourth or fifth. I mean, I in my number one seed, and they're my fair college team. I'm not being biased to them, but I mean, Florida State. I mean, they have the talent to be the number one seed in the ACC. I mean, that team is good. They always get good players and. I mean, this team could just be dangerous. So then, well, the final team I wanted to focus on today was the UB Bulls uh, college team here in Western New York. They obviously had a pretty, they had a Cinderella type uh, March Madness run a couple seasons ago, beating uh, teams like Arizona. Uh, I mean, that that was just a big run for them, and. Uh, I can see the UB Bulls being a good team again. I mean, look at the players they got. C.J. Maschenberg, he's obviously very good. Uh, Dan Oates leading that head coach. He's a very good coach. And this UB team has a lot of weapons that they have on this team, especially with C.J. Maschenberg going to have to lead that team this year. I think he can do it. But the UB Bulls, I mean, they're a good basketball team. I can see him being very dangerous, pulling up a couple of shockers this year. I mean, led by probably, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the nation right now, Nate Oates. I mean, he's a very good coach, as we've seen so far. And I can just see this UB Bulls team being very good. So that's, so that's all I have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Bye.